Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Asps. Very dangerous. You go first. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. Hey, lady, you call him Dr. Jones. You have chosen wisely. W. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 338 for the week of October 6th, 2013. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with this podcast, my new Disney in a Minute videos, blog, live events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, audio tours, and more. You can find everything over at WDWRadio.com. This week's podcast is brought to you by The Ears of Steel, a new book by Bart Scott that asks, are you man enough to go to Walt Disney World? It's a guidebook unlike any others, aimed at guys of all ages and maybe their wives who are trying to get them there. It's fun, funny, and you can get a free excerpt by visiting the Intrepid Traveler's website over at IntrepidTraveler.com. So join me this week as we step on and backstage at the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular at Disney's Hollywood Studios. We'll talk about the show's history, details, and fun facts. We'll also discuss where else you can find some of the wonderful details and tributes and props from Raiders of the Lost Ark and other indie films elsewhere in the park. We'll then do some armchair imagineering and look at the future of the attraction, character, and franchise in Walt Disney World and speculate at what could be, maybe, and what we'd like to see and then I'll ask you to weigh in and share your thoughts as well. Then stay tuned at the end of the show for some updates and announcements. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Think about your favorite movie, one that you could watch over and over and over again, quote the lines from, or maybe that, that one movie that you want to be stranded on a desert island with, assuming, of course, that your island has a DVD player and electricity, but you know what I mean. For me, that movie might very well be Raiders of the Lost Ark. Dare I say, the perfect film? It is the true movie experience. It's filled with adventure and romance and intrigue and fantasy and that, that triumph of good over evil. And it celebrates those stories that we, we read and dreamed about when we were kids, although many of us are still kids at heart. It was nominated for Best Picture. And when you include la- names like Spielberg and Lucas and Harrison Ford, it's that perfect storm of, of storytelling, filmmaking, arguably the greatest action hero of all time and sort of a simple unbridled fun and it's a film that i think we all wanted to play a part in and at disney's hollywood studios we have the chance to do just that at the indiana jones epic stunt spectacular part show it's one of the most enjoyable attractive audience participation experiences in walt disney world and this week we're going to take a look at indy 
his past, and his future. Maybe where else you can find him in the parks in Walt Disney World. And we may also speculate on how or where we may or may not see Indy in the future of Disney's Hollywood Studios. So this week, I'm joined by one of the men who's been working on it. Who? Top Men. He's a man who also wonders why it has to be snakes. He is Ryan Wilson from the Main Street Gazette, but you call him Dr. Jones. You call me Dr. Jones, doll. (laughs) That is not the first nor the last of of bad movie line quotes that I'm going to be spouting through the rest of this segment. So that's sort of the the bad spoiler alert in advance. Yeah, just get your groans ready now because they'll just keep on rolling. But that's the thing about, you know, look, and we were talking right before we recorded about, you know, this movie is almost 32 years old, right? But this is one of the ones that you could just quote over and over again. And it's, you know, the rare times it's on TV, for me, it's like Rudy and Shawshank Redemption. I need to stop what I'm doing and watch it, although I can really sort of quote the lines along with it. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't matter you have the Blu-ray set up. You, you know, if it's on, you stop. It's a Saturday afternoon. You watch indie. Like, it, there's no question about it. It's one of those movies that just is so ingrained in who you are. And you can do other things, but the whole time you're doing it, you're, you know exactly where you are in the adventure. And, and look, this came out, you know, for, for look, I'm, I'm 45. This, this came out at the perfect time for me. It came out in June of 1981. It was the, sort of the, that's why, it, for me, and I think a lot of people in, in our generation, especially guys, I think, too, this is sort of that perfect film. Right, it, it sort of had everything. It was the history. It was the intrigue. It was the adventure. It was the drama. We knew Harrison Ford, who I think Indiana Jones is better than Han Solo, but that's a separate argument for a separate day, <laughs> you know. And 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 I liked, and I know we've talked about when we talk about things like the Rocketeer. It's sort of that that modern version of those old sort of serial films from like the '30s and the '40s, and I love the films that that are set in that time period. Yeah, you have that you know gritty real world feel. Like he's not perfect; he has his flaws. That's why you identify with him. You know, but he's somebody that you could emulate. That's somebody you could be. And he's just you know he's just tough as nails, and he's you know and he's gonna do what's right in the end. You know, and he is, you know, he's iconic. You know, it, it, it's an overused term, but he is. He is iconic from the hat to the whip to the jacket. I mean, he made the, he brought the whip back. Not that the whip ever went anywhere, but he, you know, how many kids, you know, look like we all had our fake lightsabers. We took, you know, tubes of whatever and made our fake lightsabers. We did that with our whips too. You know, we were trying to swing across the, the, the chasm and, and avoid the, the, the rolling ball. Every kid at some point pretended he was Indiana Jones or Marion Ravenswood. I it's normally was Marion Ravenwood, but you get the point. <laughs> and it was the same thing with the fedora. You know, you see, you know, people in our generation now, they keep wearing fedoras. They had disappeared for a while. And it's because, you know, this hat that never came off his head unless it was for a great gag, you know, the wide brim Australian model that they talk about all the time. He brought that hat back and it was just like that silhouette. You're right. That silhouette, you can just paint him out, paint it black, and you know who you're looking at immediately. Right. I mean, look, even today, you know, and, and we're recording this right around the Halloween season. Go to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. Go to a Halloween party or parade in your town. How many guys and kids are still dressing like Indiana Jones? Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 it's still everywhere. It's still one of those costumes because it is. It's one of those heroes we grew up with. It is a Han Solo. It is a, you know, it's like a Jedi. It's, you know, those things. Now you're starting to see more of, like, the Johnny Depp pirates for, for people coming up. But this is the costume that we want to be because it's, it is the epitome of cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when... Uh, when Indiana Jones opened at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios back uh, when it was Disney MGM Studios back in 1989, 
this was like, it was a big deal because this was a chance to, you know, you now had another sort of uh, three-dimensional, look, it's like, it's that sort of same idea of, you know, what Fantasyland was, right? You saw these movies on film, but now that you could sort of be a part of it and see them in person in front of you, it, it got me really excited as a kid when the park Obviously, it opened after a few months after the park. But when it did open, I was so excited to be able to continue that Indiana Jones experience. Yeah, definitely. And as a kid, I mean, that they, I know they talked about it being a stunt double and all. That. It was Indiana Jones. And, and as a kid, you see Indiana Jones on that stage. You see him doing the things that you've seen him do in the movies, and you're just you know you sit there with your jaw on the floor. Yeah. And so let's sort of talk a little bit about the the history of this. And you know, this is one of those things that was planned. For, from day one to be a part of Disney's Hollywood Studios. Now we look, you know, how many years later and the acquisition of, of Lucasfilm, you know, it, hindsight being twenty twenty, boy, it was a great idea putting Indiana Jones in here. But this was actually one of two stunt shows that was originally planned for the studios. Like if you look at old concept art, they were going to build two theaters. One was going to be sort of a, a slapstick comedy show and one was going to be action. And obviously this was the only one that was built. It didn't open with the studios in May. It didn't open until September because of uh, rehearsal schedules and really trying to tweak the action to make it as close to the film and, and as realistic as possible. Um, and, and it was sort of, it was directed by the stunt coordinator, Glenn Randall from Raiders of the Lost Ark himself. So it really brought a lot of that authenticity that is so important, obviously, to, again, Spielberg and Lucas and certainly Disney. Absolutely. You know, it was the first time they used, you know, all the effects in one place. You know, they had the, the in-house effects studio there on set to activate these things. And they had the cast members um, and the stunt people to activate triggers as they went through the show to make it as close and as up and personal for them and for the guests as possible. Right. So if you think about a normal show, you go through an attraction like, you know, Haunted Mansion or whatever it may be. All these things are sort of set by computer. As you pass these scenes, they're cued. This is one that really, it is, you know, like what the studio was supposed to be when it opened in 1989. It was supposed to be like you are watching them film a real thing. So if something doesn't work or the timing is off, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be uh, taint. It's not gonna taint the show at all because they are activating everything from the pyro to the music to the effects, whatever it may be, real time as it's going on. Definitely, you see it in that you know even in that first scene where you know Indy's running through the the spears that are popping up out of the floor, and he's triggering those pads as he's running through, and it's a perfectly timed as he sets it off to know where where his marks are, and you know, is that spear going to you know it probably would hurt if it hit him, but it's not gonna gonna you know jet run him through, but it's that sense of timing that you know this is actually happening in you know as you're watching it. Right, and, and look, it, it really sort of embodied, I think, uh, the spirit of what Disney MGM Studios was when it opened, was this is a real working production studio. So as opposed to watching a show like Voyage of the Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast on stage, you'll watch a scene and then they'll yell cut. And you see the director and you see the actors and you see the stuntmen setting up as if you're really watching them film the Raiders of the Lost Ark thing. So as a kid, you know, somewhat of a kid, uh, when I first saw this, you know, obviously realizing that it, it's staged and, and it's a performance, but I was like, wow, this is what it must be like as you're watching. And granted, you're sitting in this 2,000-seat amphitheater, but you get up close, you get there early, and you feel like you are watching them film th th this movie that you were in. You know, it, look, it would be like being able to watch them film Star Wars, right? Like feeling oh, like yeah. you're sitting there on the set. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see them. You you feel the heat from the fire. If you can, if you like, you say get there early enough, get a good enough seat. You could see that. You know, you watch them roll the boulder back up the ramp at the end after it's chased Indy down the down, and you're like. You, it's two grown men pushing a boulder and it's kind of like, wait, this doesn't compute <laughs> as a child, but it's, it's, it's seeing that actual movie magic happening and, and just feeling like you're a part of it. Right. And, but, and that's the thing. It's those iconic scenes from this film, right? So you got the stone ball, you've got that, that golden idol, you've got that, that Cairo street scene and the, the, the desert encampment and the, and the German planes, you know, it's all those things that sort of your favorite scenes from the movie and I think that's really what made it so exciting was that sense of, yeah, you're getting sort of a peek behind the curtain, which is what the studios were supposed to give you back in 1989. Again, that's a whole separate discussion about how it's evolved in some people's opinions, maybe devolved to, to not giving you that same experience anymore. But as a kid, you know, and even like I remember my dad, like he totally he dug this show a lot. Um, and it was not, you know, like a one and done. Like we would see this over and over again, even though you knew it was going to happen next because we, we it, it brought you so close to the film that for he and I was one of the things that we loved seeing and watching together. Yeah, and I can remember going with my dad and you know, I always wanted to volunteer and I was ever, I, you know, for years I wasn't old enough. And it, it did put you right in the middle of the action. And, you know, the for years, you know, we thought the, the man in the Hawaiian shirt was actually just somebody that they had picked from the audience. And I would put the ugliest shirt I could find on my dad that morning so that I could get him in right. the show. And it never and they never picked him. And I couldn't figure out why for the longest time. Well, and the other thing that I remember, it may not have been my first time, but, you know, a little poetic, poetic license. The first time you walk into that theater, right, and you get down, you know, you are sort of taken back by the, the the massive gargantuan size of the sets, right? These these sets, like the temple, it weighs like 100, I think it's like 100, 110 tons. Mm-hmm. It's the largest moving sets in history. And unlike, uh, again, I'll sort of use even the current Beauty and the Beast theater, it, it's a huge amphitheater, but here the sets are, are, you know, they almost dwarf the theater because they're so big. They absolutely are. I mean, you feel like you've walked into a Peruvian jungle for, with that temple scene, and it helps. You know, they have John Williams' amazing score from that. You know, like the low-lying music in the background, and you feel like you know, even though you're sitting on these you know bleacher benches, and there's two thousand other you know of your closest friends there with you, it's it's a very personal story that you that you've just walked into. Yeah, and and look, the, one of the things that that I like about this, and and this was really one of those things that was somewhat of a, a hallmark of a lot of the shows when the studios opened was it was not a performance that was just put on for you, but it is one that you become an active participant mm-hmm. in, right? If you remember things like Monster Sound Show and all those things where you got a chance to really sort of try your hand at acting or Foley work or green screens or whatever it may be for a chance to be not only on stage and on the set, but on the, on the set of Raiders of the Lost Ark, I mean, granted, in all the years, Ryan, I've, I've been going to the parks, I have never been picked. I, it probably is a height thing, but I digress. But I have never <laughs> been picked for, but, you know, it was like, they never called my name in Romper Room as a kid, and I never got picked for Indiana Jones, but I know people have. <laughs> and you see that giddy excitement when they get to get up there on stage, especially parents, right? You go there with your kids, and, you know, your kid just thinks you're a hero when they see mom or dad up there. Because they take Absolutely. like what I think maybe nine or ten people up, uh, for uh, something time. like that. Yeah, I think it's between like yeah, I think it's between like ten and a dozen somewhere in that range. And um, I, you know, I for years it was I had that moment where I was like, I never get picked, I never get picked. And I told the people I was, I was like, I was like, don't worry, I'm gonna jump up and down like a fool, and, but I'm not gonna get picked. And I got picked. <laughs> um, 
and you know, and they could always pick that one person to do their death scene. And I can tell you from experience, I got to do that once, and the pictures of me are hysterical. I'm dying, and I have the biggest grin <laughs> on my face because I'm like, it's me, I'm in Indiana Jones. And look, and, and, and then people say, well, how do I get picked, right? How do I get picked? You know, you obviously try and get there early. When they start yep. calling for volunteers, it is not the time to be shy. Don't sort of no. subtly raise your hand. Have your friends point at you, your families point at you. Stand up, wave, show yes. them that you are going to be very dynamic. When They don't want people up there who are going to be very reserved. They want no. you to really make it fun, not just for yourself and your family, but for the rest of the audience as well. Yeah, they want you beating your chest, screaming and hollering, you know, that, that's, that's who they're looking for to do that. You know, the people who are going to get up, say, you know, get on there in the Cairo scene and, and, you know, battle for Indy, like, you know, throw pretend punches in the background, like, yeah, get them, get them. They want you to, to put everything out there. Yeah, and you get a chance to, so during the first scene when they're doing the, uh, the sort of the, the, the Mayan temple, you're backstage getting dressed to be part of the... Um, uh, sort of the background actors for the street market scene in in Cairo, uh, and you sort of get these sort of what these sort of uh, Middle Eastern type uh, costumes. And this is one of the the you know if you really pay attention, there's some really great stunt work that goes on here. You know these guys, everybody's sort of focusing on on Indian and Marion, but if you watch the other stunt performers, I mean, really tell. And these are not you know they're dangerous stunts that are going on all the time. You know certainly there's a lot of safety put in place but you know the falls and the jumps and the stuff that they're doing and the fact that you're so close and the sets are so big really gives you such a, a sense of the ginormity of what you're watching it definitely does and I, and I always have that joke to like you know don't forget to sign the waiver no there really is a waiver they make you sign uh and i got it there like oh really okay but you and and the coordination is so incredible for all these stuntmen and even for the you know for the cast members and some people who have to watch you know these 10 amateurs out here now on the stage that that they've choreographed so well that they move you in the at the height of action of different scenes so that you're so that you're getting out of the way but you're not a distraction to the audience. I mean it's so it's such a delicate dance that they've that they've worked out and it's just seamless and it's really amazing. Yeah, even as they move from scene to scene, so you go from the street market in Cairo to that desert encampment which is sort of the climax uh, of mm -hmm. the you know sort of the, the third act. It's one of the most memorable scenes from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And this like you said too there are trucks driving around. There's, you know, fake gunplay. There's, exp I mean, explosions that are huge and you feel the heat and there's these life-size planes on there. Uh, you know, you really, I, I, I know I'm sort of repeating myself, but you really sort of get the sense that this is what it would have been like minus the 150 degree heat probably out in the deserts of Tunisia where they were filming this. Minus, well, it's the same way in Florida anyway, so it doesn't matter. With the heat, you still sort of feel that you're so close up, you know, when those explosions are going on and you feel as though these actors could be really getting hit by the propeller, propellers from the plane. Definitely. I, I, granted, we have shade and some air, you know, some giant fans. Um, but yeah, it is. It's just like being on the movie set. And, and it was built with, with the thought of if we were building this movie set here, what would it look like, you know, if it had to stand the test of time and not just be set up for a scene or two. Right. Uh, and they did just an, and they do an amazing job of of putting all those pieces together, giving it the authenticity and then selling it, you know, when they're when they're performing. And I think a, a testament to the show and the story is that, look, it's been here for how many years, right? It's been there for almost 30 right, years. Almost 20, yeah. Right? Uh, sorry, what is it? 20, almost 25. 25, 25, 25 years, right? 25 years. Other than a small, small overhaul in, in January of 2000, right, which was really more, more about mechanics and upgrading effects and things like right. that, this really, this show has not changed at all. 
I mean, in terms of, of scripts, sets, anything else like that in that entire 25 years? No, and, and you keep hearing people go, you know, okay, well, Raiders is great, but when are we going to go to, you know, Temple of Doom or Last Crusade? Or we won't mention that other one. And um, <laughs> it's like Godfather Three; it just doesn't exist. Exactly, it doesn't exist. Um, you, you keep at, you know, people keep asking, you know. But as perfect as a trilogy of the first three movies are, Raiders is the epitome, you know, that perfect indie movie. And so that is the what that, what everyone wants to see. Those are the scenes that everyone remembers and that they want to be a part of. And look, it, you know, and it's changed over the years. I mean, I think originally at one point they were doing. Seven, eight shows a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were doing a lot of shows. I think now there's what, maybe five, and depending on the time of year that you go to, you know, and you go almost any time of the year, and that theater is still packed. You know, that theater yeah. is still packed. As old as the franchise is, sorry, as classic as the franchise is and the attraction is, they still pack them in there. And and I don't think that you, you know, comparatively speaking, you don't necessarily get that same type of uh return and enthusiasm maybe for some of the other stage shows which at some point start to feel a little dated this one does not and it has nothing to do with the new lighting and the new sound and the technological enhancements and the stuff that they've done in terms of you know the new airplane didn't do it it's the story and i think it's the way that it's told and this is one of those holdovers from making you feel like you know what i am really in a back lot i'm in a back lot and i'm getting to watch this film be created yeah, it's one of the things I've talked about. About you know, people keep talking about well, now with all the incredible featurettes and bonus features on Blu-rays and DVDs, you know, I I know how they do all this. I know how it's done. I don't need to go watch it. Whether it's like Catastrophe Canyon or it's you know the the sound stage that they used to have, um, Indiana Jones stands the test of time because of because it is something that we all identify with. It is. You know, somewhere in the back of our brains, we all had that little piece of indie in us that we want to see it. We, you know, and you, when you feel like you're a part of it, then you buy in more. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, you know, we'll talk too about sort of the other places that we can find Indiana Jones ever. But I think you're right. I think that you you said it earlier. You can see the silhouette of a guy in a fedora standing on a hill, and you know exactly who it is that you're talking about. Yes. Yes, the, the guy who's looking for uh, the radio to speak to God. <laughs> you know, I always knew someday you'd come walking back through my door. I never doubted that. Something made it inevitable. So <laughs> throw me the whip. Throw me the idol. Throw me the idol. I'll throw you the whip. <laughs> I know. I told you that there would be more and they would be bad. So uh, a couple of little bits of interesting trivia. So we were talking about when it, uh, when it reopened back in uh, January of 2000. When, they, oh, when it closed in January 2000, it, when it reopened in June, Disney invited 500 Floridians uh, from the local area with the last name of Jones to be in the audience for a grand reopening show. They gave them all Jones T-shirts. They had this, uh, like, a motorcade through the park and uh, photos and stuff like that, sort of celebrating the grand reopening of it. And if you, you may or may not remember, uh, back in 2010, when they had that last tour to Endor party in August mm-hmm. – uh, mm-hmm. That sort of it commemorated the closing of Star Tours, and it was Star Wars Celebration Five being held in Orlando, like Star Wars Mania. It was just like it was like it was 1977 all over again. They changed um, the show to Raiders of the Lost Jedi Temple of Doom, and they sort of changed the show a little bit, sort of marrying the love of both Indiana Jones and Star Wars. They had three shows, and there was Star Wars celebrities in there. It was total geek nirvana. 
I would say it's one of those few moments it's that, you know, I've seen videos and I was not able to get down for it. And it's one of those things that will haunt me until the day <laughs> I die that I that I missed this incredible mashup. It, but I take salvage and, you know, at that point I went and I got my, you know, one of my old Star Wars comics where it's the comic where, you know, the Millennium Falcon crashes. And then years later, short round in Indy, find it. And there's a monster <laughs> in the woods. You know, I take solace in that. I have something somewhere. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's wonder how any girl ever dated us. Unfortunately, yeah, right, they haven't heard this show, so that would have probably ruined any of our, our, of our chances. So, uh, But I think what I like about this is what I like about this show, too, in the theater, and again, I'm sort of just by comparative purposes, you know, like a lot of attractions, right? For, for a lot of shows, the queue is a queue, right? It's a place to line up before you go in. Here, the queue really starts to set the stage to make you feel, even before you get into the theater itself, right? Outside, they've got the, you know, we'll talk about the adventure outpost and, and the tank, but even sort of the, the dig site, uh, the dip site, where you can get snacks and stuff like that, is themed towards Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I'm going to put a link, I'm gonna, actually, I'll, put, I'll embed the video in the show notes to... Uh, a little hidden treasure that I think probably most guests overlook, even maybe the most hardcore Disney uh, Raiders fans other than you, of some of the cool <laughs> little references at the yeah. dip site to the film itself. And you got to sort of pay very, very close attention in order to catch it. Definitely. Yeah, the dip site has has some, you know, you got you can find some of the classic, you know, the classic hat. That's the that's the gimme. But and then the, the Oasis Canteen just down the way. Also has some other, you know, has some little details if you if you pay really close attention, and some of it you may have to go dig around for to to find the answers. Um, and if you look yeah, across from the entrance, right, even across from the entrance, they've got all those yeah. sort of props. You know, this is one of those things like you need to slow down and take your time and and look and and zoom your camera lens in because they put so many great details on the crates and the cups and the mm. tables and everything. And if you're a Raiders of Lost Ark fan, if you're if you're walking by it, you're missing. A lot of attention that they put into, uh, you know, sort of that that simple little prop area in the bushes across the way. Definitely, and especially if you if you're there in an off time of year when they're not running the stand, you have so much more time, and you have so much more. You can see so much more of what's going on there. Um, and don't be afraid, you know, as you as you're wandering around the queue, you know, if if it says don't pull a rope, don't be afraid to pull the <laughs> rope. It's it's just a suggestion. <laughs> it's more like guidelines. I know it's the wrong <laughs> film, but you <laughs> very dangerous. You go first. Um, but you're right. You know, it's one of those things that becomes even the interactivity starts outside. Look, I'm going to tell you, Ryan, we talk about, you know, cool merchandise shops throughout the parks. And, and some may argue that some of the, the merchandise locations become somewhat um, generic, right? Mm -hmm. One of my favorite places in all of the four Walt Disney World theme parks is a merchandise shop that most guests probably don't go into, and it's the Adventure Outpost, located near the exit and one of my favorite restaurants, the Primetime Cafe. Mm, now I want meatloaf <laughs> and fried chicken. Um, but you're right. Um, it, it's one of those places, it blends so seamlessly. You, you walk, you're walking up to it by Primetime, it kind of blends into that kind of California architecture you're looking at, and as you walk away around the building, you realize that suddenly you're in the Middle East, there are machine guns on the rooftop, but you don't see that from that side. Like It's that perfect way to just, as you pan into the scene, you have the people, you have the script and the director's chair across the way, they're shooting another piece of indie right, right here right. in this that's what I love. I love, I mean, the inside of the store gives you that Middle East marketplace feel, but I like the outside, right? I like, yeah. look, 
you know, unless there's there's a rope or a stanchion or something preventing you from going to a backstage area, there are little nooks and crannies of Walt Disney World that you need to go and explore. And I think a lot of people don't go here unless they come out of that exit, especially when the, the, the show is very crowded. And you're right. They've set it up with a director's chair and aimed it as though they are filming another scene there. And one of my favorite details, like the machine guns and stuff like that, is the tank. Right. So if yep. you remember, the tank actually used to be in the boneyard for a long time. Yes. And then eventually uh, they brought it over here a few years ago. They refurbished it. It's beautiful. Right. There's great. There's other great props and stuff that's out there. And that is the actual tank uh, from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Right. It wasn't from Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was from the, the third film. Right, it's it's actually one of five vehicles they that Disney took from the production of of Last Crusade, and they put the they put one of the trucks, one of the cars, and the tank out there, and then the other truck and car, you know, disappeared off into the to a boneyard somewhere. Um, but they did they set it up, and it's one of those few places that y- you could miss it if you're not paying attention because it is kind of tucked in the woods. Unlike many of the props in you know in Disney's Hollywood Studios, there isn't a sign telling you what these are and how important they are to the film history. You kind of it's kind of one of those things that has spread over the years and word of mouth and and through you know the history books that this is such a you know that last key component. You know you can all see the tank going over the cliff and you know the damage that's been done to it. Right, right, and and it it wouldn't make sense. To have a sign telling you what it is no. because you're supposed to be on the on stage, you're on the lot, you're on the yep. set where it's being filmed, so there shouldn't be a sign there pointing it out to you, right? I mean, it used to be there used to be a much more clear delineation in the studios, and it's sad, and I don't know why they did it. They took away the security booths, right, both right. by the commissary and by Backlot Express. And if you look down at the pavement, you see the pavement changes color. That's mm-hmm. where you're going from the front of the lot to sort of the backstage lot area. And everything changes, right? We, we can talk about the studios one day and 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 yeah. helping point this out to people. So all the stuff that's taking place in the front of the park is meant to be movie lots and it's on stage and there's real filming going on. So you shouldn't have things and signs pointing it out to you as if you were a visitor passing by because you are stepping foot onto where the filming is actually taking place. Yeah, it's a live set. Everything should look as realistic as possible. And then when you st- and and you can look at it from Indiana Jones straight to, to Star Tours. It's that quick because you see you know all the tanks. You see the real tanks. You see the real you know archaeological uh, archaeological dig site. And then you walk to Star Tours, and the at at is a facade, and you can walk around it, and you can see the holes in the back, and you can see the what the pieces are that are holding it up, the girding, and and it's just that quick that you, you once you pass through that booth, you're in a back lot area. And I like the Adventure Outpost too. And look, I, I wish the Advent Post, Adventure Outpost was in existence back when the film came out because it sells everything that a total Indiana Jones nerd wants, right? You got T-shirts, you got the hat, you got leather jackets, you've got you know anything that you, there's there's jewelry, there, anything that you could want for the Indiana Jones fans. I will tell you, I was never a uh, a big fig guy, but now that they've got the mini, <laughs> they've got the mini, the mini Mickey, big figs, yes. The mini Mickey Big Fig dressed as Indiana Jones. Yeah. There's a spot on my oh way too crowded bookcase just waiting for him. Yeah, yours and mine both, pal. Yours and mine both. <laughs> <laughs> so, but let's obviously there's other references to Indiana Jones uh, in the park itself. Certainly, one of the most well known is in in the Great Movie Ride, right? Where they've mm-hmm. got that and. I love this scene, and the nerd in me is like, you've got it wrong, right? Because it is it is the scene where Indiana Jones and Sala are mm-hmm. lifting up 
the uh, Ark of the Covenant, but if you watch the film, it's actually backwards. Yep. Right? There, it's backwards in two ways, right? So Indy and Sala are on the opposite sides of uh, lifting up the Ark of the Covenant. And if you look really carefully, and I know like this is a total nerd alert and I'm not criticizing, I understand why they did it. Indiana Jones' costume is wrong because his whip is supposed to be on the left on the side. side. And yep. I guess they just didn't either want to show the gun on the right side or you want to see that, you know, you need to see the iconic whip, although it's on the wrong hip. Yeah, yeah. They could, I swear I, to God, I dated. I swear. <laughs> we both we both are happily married to beautiful women, and I don't know how that happened. Um, you know, but yes, I guess because we bought a girl a drink. Um, right. but, um, yeah, there's the, the you know the few details, and then you have the. It's one of the trailers that you get to see because it is the movie that you're going into with the great movie ride. But the trailer's there in the queue, and it's. It, it's one of those tra- – it belongs up there with Casablanca because it, it's such an incredible trailer to take the, the you know heart of that movie and p- distill it down to this you know the 30 seconds or however long the trailer is. And you, you, know, you, you see that and you hear that, you know, the, the Raiders march, and you're like, yep, just give me a whip and I'm ready to go. <laughs> right. It's all about the music, right? I mean John Williams is just – you know uh, I, I would be lying if I didn't say it was one of my ringtones on my phone as well too. So um, – but let, let's talk about, you know, Indiana Jones again. The epic stunt spectacular has remained pretty much unchanged for years. I think the scene in the Great Movie Ride. I, I agree. We talked. We did a, say, uh, a show with Jim Corcus a few weeks ago mm-hmm. about potentially changes we would make to the Great Movie Ride. Right, things that should be pulled out, things should be put in. I think there, there's no question that when you think of action adventure hero films. Raiders of the Lost Ark is kind of that quintessential film that I couldn't even think of an alternative that I would put in instead of it. No, because it meets all the requirements. You you, you have the the romance, you have the you know the supernatural you know it, you know element to the to the story, and it has that great serialized feel to it. It 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 does it just takes everything that is an action movie, distills it down, and you're right. I can't think of a better example anywhere. Of, of an action movie. Right, of, of something else that you would put in there to replace Indiana Jones. But, uh, well, the only, th- the only thing that it's missing at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and I don't want it here, right, just like Cars Land, mm-hmm. but I will tell you, Walt Disney World is my home park. It is, I love, I have a newfound love and affinity for Disneyland. I think Cars Land is one of the most beautiful things Disney's ever done. But I will tell you, the Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye out in Disneyland. Yes, it's the same track and ride system as Dinosaur, <laughs> but that is like, again, that near perfect attraction that yeah. starts with the queue. It fits perfectly in Adventureland. It seems to just go on forever. That cavernous room with the flames and the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you are in those films, and I think it's uh, it, it, that is a really good example of of Disney and Imagineering really doing it right. Yeah, I mean, you know, there they they load everyone onto a truck. Truck, what truck? Um, <laughs> but they load it, you know, and you and you're riding along with Indy, you know, you're trying to get to him He's in that temple somewhere. And it, it's it's one of those rides that, you know, when I think about, okay, my next trip out there, 
that's where I'm marching to. Like that's where I'm headed first thing because that is my ride out there, and it's and it is because I have that you know affinity for Indiana Jones, but it's also because it's just such a great attraction, and it just yes, it's this, yes, it's the same thing as Dinosaur, or the same track layout. Yes, it's the same ride vehicles, but you know what? It's a totally night and day experience. It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. <laughs> <laughs> and it hurts here <laughs> and here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that we ever we ever got married. I know. Um, I know. So, but let's talk about the future, right? Let's talk about the yes, future. Right? And look, and I don't want Indiana Jones, Temple of Forbidden Eye coming out here, right? That gives us a reason to no. go to visit Disneyland, right? As yep, if absolutely. we needed even more. But let's talk about the future. Let's speculate a little bit because obviously – and look, you know, Ryan, over the last few years, I've I've said this ad nauseum, it's a good time to be a Disney fan, right? Mm-hmm. It's been a great time to be a Disney fan. I, I love and respect Bob Iger for what he's done in terms of the acquisitions he has made right. because he has embraced all the elements of my childhood, right? It's Pixar, it's Muppets, it's Disney, it's Lucasfilm, like they've got it all. Like it, it has all that that was uh, my childhood, and now with this acquisition of Lucasfilm that nobody saw coming, right? I mean, I, yeah. I, there, w- there was a better chance Disney would have gone out and partnered with James Cavern to bring Avatar to the studios than go out and spend $8 quadrillion on, on acquiring Lucasfilm. But what does right. this mean for the future, right? Yeah. We, we, I'm sorry. I was saying, we certainly know, look, it, it's a fait accompli. We know Star Wars is going to be a part of these parks, probably Hollywood Studios at some point in the future. But how, if in any way, does this affect not just this attraction, but the Indiana Jones franchise. It's something I thought about. Like since I, it was actually, you know, my it was actually my first thought when I heard about Lucasfilm because I know everyone thinks the first thought was, oh, Star Wars. And I'm like, wait, that means we can do more with Indy, right? The, you know, there is and there and there is so much room there for this. You know, I don't think, you know, unlike Star Wars, I don't believe you know we're going to see more indie films coming down the line. You know, I think we need to just retire indie and be thankful for what we have film wise for that, unless. We're gonna go back and do you know more young Indy, uh, young kind of Indiana Jones. Yeah, I dug young, young yeah. Indiana Jones. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, so I, I think I think you know that's a that's a path we could pursue again. Um, but there there is so much opportunity for that. You know, you can and there are things that we've seen you know we see in the parks now that would, are perfect kind of things to tie into it. You know, whether it's you know building a dig site you know playset that looks something like the Boneyard. And then takes out, you know, do we need Honey, I Shrunk the Kids playset any longer? You know, there's things you can do there with that. Um, And there are so many of Indy's adventures that you can do that if there were to be another attraction, you don't have to copy the Forbidden Eye. Right. And I think that's the thing, too. You know, this attraction is a show. It's, It's, again, relatively speaking, it's simple, right? But if you think about attractions going forward, I think much like the Star Wars universe, there are mm-hmm. many more adventures that we didn't see on film. Right. But the question I have for you, and the question I have obviously for the audience as well too, is the viability of this franchise. We have an emotional connection to this because we grew up with it. Yes. I've shown it to my kids, and they're still living here because they fell in love with this film. <laughs> right? I said, thank God, like, you know, you clearly are, are of my own blood because my kids like it, right? And they want to watch all the films. And then when it comes on TV, they want to see it again. But, you know, let's, you know, in the next couple of years, it's going to be a 30 some odd year old movie. Is it something that you invest an additional funds into? Do you try and keep this franchise going? Do Because there is no really. Indiana Jones universe, right? The Star Wars universe right. has continued on with with, right. with games and with books and with Clone Wars, other than maybe, you know, Lego Indiana Jones, which I love, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of new stuff for the Indiana Jones franchise. 
No, yeah, you had some Lucasfilm you know, or LucasArts games, you know, several years back, but nothing, nothing in recent memory. Um, it, it, I think there is a viability there. I still think he's such an iconic character that you know, and he is in the stable now. You know, it's like Cinderella. Is, everyone still flocks to see Cinderella Castle because that's where the princess lives. You know, you you still want to go see Indy because he is the coolest guy on the planet, and or at least on this planet. Um, <laughs> but you know. I, <laughs> I'd love to, uh, but I'd love to see things. You know, there were things that were never built back. You know, in concept phases where they were looking at Disney. You know, uh, when they were looking at Indiana Jones in Disney's MGM Studios, where they were going to have you know a dining area at the exit where yogurt was going to be like the main menu item and different things they were going to do with yogurt, and you were going to use a Ford trimotor plane as a seating area, or they were going to have a shop which was going to be Indy's house. You know, from Chicago, that would as you walk through the shop. You know, all you would have seen different things inside the house that were from his adventures. Whether it's the you know stones from Temple of Doom or you know the Holy Grail gathering dust on the shelf, all these pieces were going to be scattered about the the house. So it was like your own you know dig site while you were walking through there trying to find these gems. Um, stuff like that, I think, are still viable. Thoughts like that are still viable in the park today. Now you know some guys yelling at you saying he doesn't have the Holy Grail because it dropped into the thing and he. But yep. I mean, not, I'm, I'm not that guy, but there's some other guy who's yelling at you. If we can get over the whip being on the wrong side, <laughs> that's we can right. get over the fact that Andy, maybe <laughs> when we weren't paying attention, snuck something into his knapsack. <laughs> Again, we see there's nothing you can possess, which I cannot take away. Um, but I, I do. I, I think that this is, and I think maybe, uh, you know, to a sort of analogy, not to compare to, but analogize it to something like, a Cinderella story that everybody knows and it can continue on. I think there is very much a possibility. And look at the lines for not just this attraction, but for Temple of the Forbidden Eye out mm-hmm. in Disneyland. I think you can continue these adventures along. And I think that there's ways that you can do it um, using some of the new technology that's coming in, whether it's some of the the projections that you see, like also in the studios. I don't know if you've seen the uh, the Captain Jack Sparrow projection. Yes, in that pirate. yeah. I mean... You don't need to build an audio animatronic when you have something that looks like Johnny Depp is standing right there. Yeah, absolutely not. Or, you know, and to that to that matter, you know, Indy, who's leading you on an adventure as you walk through this. You know, whether it's you know going back to Disney loves a maze. You know, they they had hedge mazes in you know Mickey's Birthday Land. They they have you know things over in Paris. Build you know build an archaeological site that you have to walk through. Make it a walkthrough attraction, and yeah, you can put Indy right there with you. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot. And what I would love to hear is, I'd love to hear from people who are listening, would you like to see this franchise continue on? Because let's just sort of speculate and say there's a possibility in the future that this whole area, where that sort of Echo Lake area, the Backlot Express, where Star Tours is, you know, there's room back there for them to expand. There's a parking mm-hmm. lot back there. It would make sense, right? It wouldn't surprise anybody yeah. if they said, this is going to be Star Wars land. This is going to be Lucas land. We're going to create this entire Star Wars environment that you're going to walk into here. What does that lead for the fate of Indy, right? This is a people eater attraction. There's 2,000 plus people that, that come into each show for, from a guest perspective and from an operations perspective. That's great to be able to, to move guests through there five, six, seven times a day. But what would they do? If that had to go away for for some reason, and you, the listener, I want to hear your thoughts on the viability of the franchise going forward. Would you like to see Indy either remain at the Epic Stunt Spectacular? Do you want to see something new? What kind of attraction do you want it to be? Right? 
a high-tech, low-tech walkthrough attraction? Is it Temple of the Forbidden Eye? You know, do you bring that attraction over here? Please come by the show notes, visit wdwradio.com, click on the podcast link, click on this week's episode. You can leave a comment there. You can also tweet me. I'm at Lou Mangiello or on the Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash wdwradio. If you do tweet me, make sure you include Ryan Wilson's Twitter handle, which is... At main st gazette dot yeah, <laughs> I, I was going to the website. I was going to the website. No, at uh, main st gazette. Right, and I'll put that in the show notes. I'm also going to put the link to your website, mainstreetgazette.com, which I dig and talk about. You know, an attraction that's been prolific over the years. You've been writing blogs for like 32 years uh, about all things Disney, and like Indiana Jones and and Belloc, you you never stop. No, yeah, it's it's uh, you know I I need that holy grail to keep me going. I need I need that cup of Christ to, that the order uh, because it's uh, yeah it, at some point some days are, get, are getting long, but uh, it's still a labor of love. So here's my question, my final question for you: put the, forget the fourth one, put the three films in order of your love of them. Oh, it's so hard. It, it always depends on the day. I, Raiders is always number one, right? And then it depends on the mood I'm in that day. You know, if I'm in the mood for some darkness, uh, then it's Temple of Doom. Uh, but if I'm in the mood to, you know, uh, be named after the dog, I'm going to go with The Last Crusade. You know, I, I love Temple of Doom and it is a dark film. And I and I love um, uh, I love Kate Capshaw in, in that film, too. But I, I did, you know, look, any film with Sean Connery fighting Nazis it is the making of a good film so it could be <laughs> it's, it's always going to be Raiders for me first yeah. and then it, it could be Last Crusade you know because I, I love sort of the backstory like the simple things about how he got the scar on his chin you know that little yeah. scene with the whip like I love that uh, and I love the relationship between the son and his father and where it was set and just everything about it and, and, and I, I love the religious artifact that they were going yeah. for that 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 cup of Christ that you were saying before too. So, yeah. I would probably put it Raiders, Crusade, Temple of Doom. Om Nam Shiba. Om Nam Shiba. If you're commenting on the show, come tell us which order you put them in. And look, if Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is your number one film, which I'm sure somebody out there thinks is the best film ever, that's okay. That is okay. I, I dig it too. And Young Indiana Jones, which is on Netflix, mm-hmm. by the way. You can stream mm-hmm. it all day, every day to your iPhone. You're not working it anyway, so might as well just stream Young Indiana Jones. You can get that as, there as well, too. Uh, keep your your Indiana Jones uh, love going on. Lego Indiana Jones for pretty much every platform. And you can still, I think they still, well, I don't know if you can still get the new ones anymore. You can still buy Lego Indiana Jones sets. They're not, they're Crazy money on eBay, but you can get yeah, yeah, too. yeah. Even even the little motorcycle one now is like sixty dollars. I know, point, but. I know, but uh, but they're pretty neat and they're pretty cool. Yes. So, uh, Ryan Wilson from the Main Street Gazette. It is always a pleasure to have you on talking about all the things uh, geeky about Walt Disney World. We have to have you come back on again. I know we've been talking about another show now extinct in Walt Disney World that we might have to uh, pick up and talk about another hero that was in Hollywood Studios. Yeah, it's in, in, in a similar profile, similar hat. Similar so, hat. Similar yeah. A little bit better tech. A little bit, little better, bit tech. better tech. <laughs> Although if we could get Indiana Jones with you know the, the dinner scene from Temple of Doom as a, as a theme for a restaurant, I think we have something there. Marion, Ra- oh, here, here's your next, last question. All right. Marion <laughs> Ravenswood 
or um, oh God, I can't remember Kate Capshaw's name. Oh my God, I just uh, um, it's I can hear her singing. Willie, Willie Scott. Willie, Willie Scott. It's Willie, yeah, Willie Scott. Oh, it's 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 Marion Ravenwood. I, I I have I I am a sucker for a brunette. <laughs> Hang on, lady, we're going for a ride. <laughs> You cheap baby! You make me poor, no fun! I would do no fun! That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time to tune in this and every week. Don't forget that in addition to the audio podcast, which you can subscribe to over at iTunes, visit the website at www.radio.com for our multiple daily blog posts, new videos, our free email newsletter, and the WDW Radio app for your iPhone, Android, or iPad device. Also, be sure and join us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WDW Radio Live and this week's Walt Disney World newscast, where you can be part of the conversation in the chat room as I talk about this week's Walt Disney World news. Another way you can be part of the show is by emailing your questions you want answered on the air to lou at wdwradio.com or being heard on the air by calling the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1 with a question, a comment, or just a hello from the parks. You can also connect with me on Twitter. I'm at Lou Mangiello. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Radio, And also on the site, you'll find all the other ways to connect as well. Don't forget to listen to last week's show, number 337, to answer our Walt Disney World trivia question about Halloween at Walt Disney World for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Thanks to everybody who came out to our Meet of the Month, our e-ticket event weekend, which included our dinner inside the Great Movie Ride. Thanks again to Mouse Fan Travel for sponsoring that. And our inaugural Food and Wine Quest this past weekend had a great time. We'll definitely be doing things like that again. Be sure and stay tuned to our events page over at www.radio.com for more information about Meets of the Month and other events in Walt Disney World and around the country. Speaking of Mouse Fan Travel, I want to thank them for being a valued partner because they are my official and recommended travel provider for any Disney destination that you're going on. You get the best possible prices, all available discounts, and Becky and her team of agents give you an incredible level of personal service that really is their hallmark at no cost to you. You can visit them over at mousefantravel.com. And as grateful as I am to them, I'm even more so to you because I want to thank you for letting me do what I do each and every week. And as always, if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links on Facebook and comment there. And please come by. Review the show and the apps over in iTunes as well. And once again, I want to thank you for allowing me to share my passion for Disney with you through the show and the videos and the blog and so many other ways. And I hope you get to do what you love each and every day. So forget about all the reasons why that something might not work because you only need to find that one good reason why it will. Always have faith and always keep moving forward. I hope you have a great week this week. Go do something amazing. So until next time, see ya. This is a castle, and we have many tapestries. And if you are a Scottish lord, then... I am Mickey Mouse!